time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, DSM, how y'all doing tonight? So great, so great, and so honored, so privileged to be able to worship together as one family tonight. Everybody feeling well tonight? Good. So tonight we're continuing in a series that we're calling... Come on, everybody, we're continuing a series that we are, we're just calling Belong. Belong. We belong together. Oh. All right, so, oh, thank you. Y'all give it up for Pastor John. Thank you, my brother. So last week we started, and we're just talking about this whole idea of belonging. And so we'll be in this series for several more weeks. But last week, Pastor Dan just kind of opened us up or opened up the series informing us and reminding us, reminding some, informing others that, that we belong to God, that you belong to God. So I want to continue, even in that vein tonight, if you just bow your heads right where you are, I just want to pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your spirit in this place tonight. Thank you for what you have already done, for the work that you've begun in so many of our hearts. We ask that you would continue to speak to us, God, because it is through your word that we find our victory, that we find our strength, that we find everything we need. It's in and through your word. So speak to us tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Sweet. So, you know, I am, I am so amazed at the entire social networking movement. How many of you have a Facebook? Come on. How many of you have a Twitter account? Okay, a little bit newer here. I guess Edger, how many of you do Pinterest? Whatever. I don't, I don't do Pinterest. I don't know. Is it a girl thing? Is it a guy thing? I don't know. It's both. Faith? You do it? It's a girl thing? How many, are there any guy Pinterest people in here? I don't know. You're going to own it? Come on. That's, that's takes a lot to own up to that. Pastor John's on Pinterest. Hit him. I don't even know what you do on Pinterest, really. Um, how many Instagrammers we have in the place? What's the longest hashtag you've ever come up with on Instagram? Just shout it out. Try and look more like heaven. Kevin. Kevin who? Your dog. Okay, that's awesome. So, so it's basically this entire social networking phenomenon that is sweeping across the globe today. But whether you like it or not, you can't deny that the advances in technology begin to touch every part of our lives. From the ability to speak face-to-face, how many of you are frequent, like maybe um, Skypers? Do you like Skyping a lot of people? I don't know. You have people all over the world that you Skype. Okay, that's great. So, and the convenience of sending a video, sending video footage um, via YouTube or something. Any YouTubers in the house? How many of you spend more than two hours a week on YouTube? Well, oh, (laughs) All right, so look, 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 look. As I think back, as I think back, I try to think back, where did the whole social networking thing kind of jump off at? Like, where did it pop off? Like, where? And so I'm thinking back, I recall the first major efforts of social networking back in 2003, and it was called 
MySpace. All right, so this is dating some of us. How many of you, okay, this is just a few of us. I was one year out of high school in 2003, so MySpace is not like we walked around high school talking about, oh, check out MySpace. My you know, it didn't, it didn't exist, but college, it became big. So MySpace happened in 2003. And as I was thinking about this, everyone wants, this is why MySpace really took off. Because everyone, everyone wants their own kind of space. Everybody wants to know that there's a place designated just for them. We all desire to rest in the reality that there is a special location, a special place where we can go that is just for us. Ultimately, I think there's a greater need that is so obvious within this generation. It's purpose, it's mission, it's assignment. It's to know that I'm here for a reason. While MySpace is arguably the major conduit of social network of the social networking movement, I want us to go all the way back to the originator. Because while MySpace and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever is, and Pinterest and whatever the newer things that are going to come out, it cannot, and I repeat to you, it cannot, it will not, it never will be able to feel the deep void, the God-shaped hole that's on the inside of your heart and my heart. So before MySpace, before Facebook, there was and there always will be God. So we're going to go back to the beginning in Genesis tonight. And I want to share with you some attributes, some characteristics of God that I believe will empower each of us to leave this place knowing that, you know what, the fact that I belong to God, or number one, I belong to God, and number two, this changes everything about me. So there's no better place to begin our journey than the book of beginnings, otherwise known as Genesis. The true and the living God, the God of the Bible, is a saving God who calls us into his kingdom to be the people of God. Now, Genesis 1, many of us know the story, but for those of us who don't, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form of void. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the water. You know, most of us know the creation account, right? And multiple days happened, and all of a sudden, the whole world came into being, including mankind. But here's the thing I want to look at. Whenever God began to create, God said, God saw, and then God called. So in the beginning, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. And then he begins to give us a detailed account of exactly what God did. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Later on in scripture in the Old Testament, Job talks about God. And he says, literally, it's like a fireball literally came out of the mouth of God. Whenever he said, let there be light. And from that moment forward, all of creation began to know, even the heavens and the earth, get to know that there is one God. And he reigns and he is supreme in power and authority. Just in case there's any questions about that tonight. So he said, let there be. So on day one, the Bible says that God created light. He said, let there be light. Day two, he created the heavens, which was the sky, the waters, and the ocean, right? Day three, he created the earth, the Bible says, in all edible vegetation. Everybody say vegetables. Day three was vegetables. Day four, he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. Day five, he created the fish and the birds. Day six, he created land animals and man. And day seven, of course, was the Sabbath. You may say, Pastor Brandon, like, what, what does that have to do with belong? Like, I mean, do I belong in creation? Did I, belong? I, I, don't, I don't really get where you're going with this. 
We just want to, even by looking at the creation story, and this is where we're going to start tonight. On day one, the Bible says that God created light. Day four, God creates sun, moon, and stars. Day two, he created the heavens, which is the waters and the ocean. But day five, he creates fish and birds. Day three, he creates the earth, edible vegetation. Day six, he creates land animals and man. Here's the big deal. Just by the very order in which God created, we can see that God is a planner. Because he dealt with, and many times he would deal with the place or the space before he deals with the person. And so whenever God created the heavens and the oceans, he created a place. But it wasn't until he created the place that he began to fill it. The sun, the moon, the stars. Then he created the heavens, sky, and oceans. And then he fills it with fish and birds. And then he creates the earth, but then he fills the earth with land animals. And man, I'm just trying to tell you tonight that God is so intentional with everything that he does and everything that he says. And he's been super intentional about your life right here tonight. You see, many times we can look at the word of God and make no mistake, God's word is powerful and it is our rule book and it's how we live out our lives. But the Bible at the very essence of who it is, is the autobiography of God himself. Self, make no mistake, from Genesis to Revelation, you are not at the center of it all. It is God. We play a supporting role, but it is God. So the primary purpose of us getting into God's word every Wednesday night, Sunday morning, every time you crack open your word, is to discover more about who God is. And if you'll look at your Bible with the lenses of, gosh, God, I will discover you by the end of my quiet time today. I promise you, you will go into your time with Jesus with a whole different paradigm. Come on, somebody. And so, and so the God, the God of the universe, the uncreated God of the ages says, I care so much about you. And I'm so super intentional about you that there are some things that I have just kind of laid out in my word. But here's the deal. The more that we understand him, the more we begin to understand ourselves. This generation It's in a major crisis. Our generation is in a major crisis. And you may say, well, what is that crisis? Well, I'll tell you, I'm so glad that you asked. So many just don't know who they are. So whatever we are called and whatever society and whatever our influences or our friends say that we are or say that we're supposed to be doing, many times that's what we'll do. So you label me a liar, I'll just lie. You'll label me rebellion, rebellious, and I'll just be rebellious. And you'll label me, and you'll label me, and you'll call me all these different things. And over time, we begin to act out whatever that is which is being spoken over us. And I'm just saying there is but one who is authorized to speak over you who you are. His name is God. You belong to him tonight. Amen. So God, so, so, so here's the deal. God, God often deals with the place before he deals with the person. What does that tell us? One of the things that the creation account tells us is that you are not forgotten. You have not been cast aside. You've not been rejected, maybe by man, but never by God. For he always deals with the place before he deals with the person. What am I saying? There's just a place for you to belong. 
right here in the kingdom of God. There is a place for you. Not just physically, not just in church, but in God. He wants to tell you tonight that you and I, you and me, you belong together. You belong to me. And I belong to you. And I want to show you that through scripture tonight. Another point. When God is creating the world, true to his powerful nature, he simply speaks all of these things into existence, right? So he says, let there be, and boom, there was. And he says, let there be animals and and zebra or whatever. Let there be animals and animals just pop up. But whenever he gets to the crown jewel of his creation, which is you and I, humanity, no longer is it a speaking thing where people are so amazed at his power. But there is something in the heart of God that he wants to communicate to us even whenever we see the way in which we are created. He knelt down, the God of the universe, got down on his knees, began to pull out his hand and began to form us from the dust of the earth. And then once he finished forming us, he began to breathe into us, the Bible says, breathing into man the very breath of life, the pneuma, the ruach, Hebrew word there, the very spirit of God, the wind, the breath of God. What was God saying? What are we to discover about him? That he is a God who from the very beginning of time wanted you to know you belong to me. Oh yes, be amazed at my power and my authority and the grandiose of who I am whenever I create everything else but be moved in your heart whenever you look at the way that I formed you. Even in your mother's womb, Jeremiah says, chapter 1. Even before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations or whatever your calling is in life. You belong to God. It's one thing to hear it. It's a whole nother thing to live your life in such a way that says, you know what? I don't have to impress you. I don't, you don't have to like me. You don't have to love me. You don't have to laugh at my jokes. You don't even have to return my phone calls or my text messages. I don't care if you reject me as my Facebook friend. You want to know what? Because I belong to him. Come on, somebody. You see, it's a, it's a, and so, so it's very easy to sit here on a Wednesday night and say, yeah, we belong to God. But really, does that, how does that play out in your everyday life? How is that working for you on your athletic team and on, in your school and on your dance team and whatever it is that you do throughout the week, Taekwondo, Karate, or whatever else that you do? How does that play out on the everyday basis to where you begin to walk as a son and a daughter of God, fully aware of this reality? I belong to him. I belong to him. My body is not my own, according to 1 Corinthians. For you've been bought with a high price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You see, everything sort of begins to change once the light of God, we call it revelation. Pastor Amy was leading us in prayer before service tonight. God, I pray that a spirit of revelation, a light bulb would go off in hearts and minds tonight. We don't gather here because there's nothing else to do on a Wednesday night. We come here to get revelation. God, show us who you are so that we may better understand who we are. Amen? So God, in all of his greatness and all of his wisdom, says, before I deal with the person many times, I deal with the place. And I want you to know that just by the creation account, that I've loved you with an everlasting love. Amen? 
So Genesis, and I'm summarizing here so much. Genesis 1 and 2. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're given two basic commandments. This is the first covenant that God establishes with mankind. Let's read it. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. It'll be up on the screen for you. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. And it's not that he was schizophrenic, or that he had multiple personality disorder. You see here from the very beginning of time, a picture, an allusion to what we call the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all there present at creation. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. 27 says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 28 says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Skipping down to chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. Two commandments God gives to Adam and Eve. One, take care of the garden. And two, don't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. So again, I'll summarize here. Most of us know the story. Some of us don't. Satan comes to Eve, right? In the form of a, come on, shout it out if you know it. In the form of a serpent. And he says, listen here, little Eve, I got some fruit for you. I know God said, I know God said, but, uh, <laughs> well, and then so, and he just says, <laughs> Wells, <laughs> they got a rapist in Lincoln Park. No. And he says, um, <laughs> and he says, um, hide your kids, hide your wife. He says, hey, there's a, there's a fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And I just want you to take a bite. I know that God said, but, 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 but did God really say, I mean, is that really what he meant? And so Eve eats the fruit, right? Everybody, most of us know this story. And then Adam eats the fruit, thereby breaking one of the two commandments that God has given unto them. Adam's sin in the garden released an infection that would be in the heart of every single person born from that point forward. That's why it's easy for you to lie. That's why it's easy for us to be in rebellion. Oh, that's why it is so easy whenever someone asks you to put away your cell phone and worship, you roll your eyes and whatever it is that you do. It comes natural. It's called a sin nature. So every human being from that point forward was infected at the heart level. So, so Adam releases this thing in us, right? So loving God creates man. And let me just, let's make no mistake about it. Let's be crystal clear. Loving God creates man, not because he needed a friend. He was not lonely all up in the heavens by himself on the throne. He created man because he wanted to. He didn't need you. He still doesn't need us. Shocking, right? Loving God creates humanity to have fellowship with us. Just like Adam and Eve had, kind of started off with in the garden. Man rebels against God's authority, starting a chain effective rebellion rooted in the heart of every single person. God's response was to make yet another covenant. Go to Genesis chapter 3. He tells, he tells Adam and Eve this. He says, the seed of a woman will bruise the serpent's head. 
Along, along with the curses upon the land, man would now work by the sweat of his brow. And then the two are forced out of the Garden of Eden forever. But the love of God can be seen from the very first book of the Bible. You see, with the exit of Adam and Eve from the garden because of their rebellion, God could have called the whole thing off. He chose not to because he was so in love with humanity. And he so desired, still, I've got a plan for them. Still, they belong to me. Still, you're still mine. And so that tells me that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, as long as there is breath in your body, there is opportunity for redemption. There is opportunity for restoration. The desire of God's heart is still for you. He still wants you because he says, God, you belong to me. You belong to me. And I know you don't realize it just yet. And I know you don't even, you don't get all what that means. But let me tell you, my child, let me tell you, my son or my daughter, no matter what's going on in your home, and it doesn't matter who has rejected you or who has left you behind, I will never leave you or forsake you because since the moment I created you, my desire has been for you to be in relationship and intimate connection with you. Why? Because you belong me. See, we could just say we belong to God, but if we have no concept of who God is, doesn't mean a whole lot now, does it? Because I can say you belong to God, but who is your God? So let's make sure we're talking about the same God here tonight. Since our society, our generation has crafted up many gods of our own likings and a God that fits our own desires and a God who we say, let me bend and, and, and mold your desire around my desire and my will. Let me come up with a God that allows me to do whatever I want to do because it's convenient. So let's make sure we're talking about the same God tonight. I'm talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Talking about the God who spoke and said, let there be, and literally creation just kind of comes forth. I'm talking about the God who puts on an earth suit that we call humanity, dies for his people and doesn't stop there, but gets back up again and lives again and ascends to heaven in authority and power. I'm talking about Yahweh El Shaddai, Elohim, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, all the Hebrew names. I'm talking about the God who always was, who is, and who always will be talking about the God who is holy, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, everywhere at the same time, all power, limitless and boundless in his authority, in his rule and his reign. This is the God to which I am speaking of tonight. It's this very same God. Whenever wickedness began to progress, because remember Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden and men just get even more and more wicked because left to ourselves, we will always self-destruct. That's why you can run as hard as you want to from God. Run, baby, run. But our prayer is that you meet up face to face with him all over again because you belong to him. And he belongs to you and he is committed to you. So whenever all of humanity begins to sin all over again, becoming more and more wicked, it brings the God of the ages to literally a place of saying, I'm sorry that I started the whole journey. I made them for love and fellowship. They have not only rebelled against me, but they're destroying each other. 
but I love them. My love for them is unfailing. No matter what they have done, they are still mine. And see, for some of you, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But for the rest of us who know that, gosh, left to ourselves, Brandon Cormier left to himself without the grace of God, would be the wickedest, most destructive, most impure person you have ever met in your life. But you see, to some of us, we say, oh God, man, changes everything that while I was even in my sin, you loved me and you pursued me. When I didn't want you, you wanted me. Even some of you tonight would say, I don't even want God. I want to tell you, he still wants you. He's loved you with an everlasting love. And there's nothing you can do to change it. So God says, they're still mine. And God sends a flood. Out of love, he sends a flood. Remember, we've got, to be, we've got to be on the same page here to make sure we're talking about the same God. You see, because for some of you, this creates a problem. Out of love, God sends a flood and wipes out all of the people on the earth. I mean, are we, did, he have like a, did he get saved whenever Jesus came on the scene? I mean, he seems pretty evil in the Old Testament, but here's what you don't understand. Here's what you don't get. Whenever God cannot in his wisdom justify extending mercy, then out of his love, He'll extend judgment. Did you catch that? Whenever God reaches down into the depths of all of his wisdom, he says, there's no other way. There's no other way. I can't just keep allowing them to sin. They're destroying each other. Then he reaches down into his wisdom and he says, I must bring judgment because I love them. I can't allow this pattern to continue. So he sends a flood. Does that frustrate you? Does that just kind of rub you the wrong way? At the core of who he is, he is all loving. Therefore, as Christ followers, we come to a place in our relationship with Jesus to say, gosh, God, even in the midst of hard times, or even whenever it seems like things are going crazy in the world around me, or even whenever my family's falling apart, or my, whatever's going on, God, I have resolved that you are good. I have resolved in my heart that he is good period. Because his nature is of such. Why? Because we see it throughout the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. He is good. And so the God of the ages who says that you belong to me and we belong together sends this flood. But then again, he establishes a new covenant. He chose a man named Noah. Everybody say Noah to become the object of his affection. Genesis 6 and 7, from this point forward, God began to relate to his people in terms of a covenant. Everybody say covenant. Now the word covenant is so important if we're going to talk about belonging because it's not just a cute little word. Belong, as it relates to this series and this message tonight, is basically a message on covenant. It's basically the understanding, the reality that you know what? There is a covenant that God wants to enter in with every single one of you. It's not a contract because a contract is devoid of emotions and the heart. You see what I'm saying? It's not a contract that God is interested in establishing with any of you. Some of you have been living in contract with God for far too long. That's why you're frustrated, mad, and you're a bad Christian. You need a revelation of covenant. Because in a covenant, God says, you know what? I am married to the backslider. I am married you and I will pursue you until the breath exits your lungs, until the blood no longer runs warm in your veins. I will chase you down. 
I will run after you. I will send different things in your life to remind you that, hey, you didn't start this thing, therefore you can't finish this thing. You need me in your life. Who is it that God is pursuing so heavily tonight? Who is it that I'm preaching to tonight who's been living under contract and not covenant? Whenever we have an understanding of covenant, we'll say, God, it is my joy to come before you. It is my supreme honor to pray to you that the God of the universe would listen to Brandon speak. It moves my heart. And it says, God, let's keep doing this covenant thing. I love you and you love me. We belong together. Contract is hard. Covenant flows. I love one translation says, God, teach me to walk in the unforced rhythms of your grace. Man, what's your walk with God like? Is it more like this contract thing? Or is it more like this covenant where you realize that I belong to God and there's nothing you can do about it and there's nothing you can do about it He has loved me with an everlasting love. So it doesn't matter how much money my parents make or don't make. Doesn't matter what car we drive or we don't drive. Doesn't matter what I wear or how I talk or how smart I am in school or how athletic or non-athletic I am. I belong to him because I am in covenant with the God of the universe. Covenant will change everything, you guys. It is a hashtag game changer. Come on, somebody. God so desired to bless mankind that he declared a covenant that would make up for all of mankind's sin. So this is after the flood. You see, the goodness of God will always outweigh the evil of man and the enemy. Oh, God will prevail. So then he calls this guy named Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. All right, I've told you, it's just a lot to cover. So we talked about Adam and Eve tonight. You're basically in the Old Testament systematic theology degree in about 30 minutes tonight, okay? For free, I paid $40,000 for mine. All right, so here we go. So here we go. Abram, Abram was essentially, essentially the first man to say yes to God after the flood. So God comes to this guy named Abram. He changes his name to Abraham. Genesis 12, he says, hey, Abram, yo, leave your family's house and go out to the land. Oh, you want to know the name of the land? Oh, I'm going to show it to you. And we kind of just gloss over that, like, oh, no big deal. But can you imagine a God that you've never heard of? Because let's remember here, it's not like Abraham was like a godly, you know, like he was serving God and he grew up in the ways. This was pre all of that stuff. You have Abram, this guy who God comes to and says, leave everything behind. I want you to go to some place. I'm not going to tell you the place until you actually leave where you're from. Abraham has this dialogue with God. The plan of God was to start a redemptive work by revealing himself to the world through a small group of people. Nothing really special about them, the Hebrew people. He would bring them to a land and display his glory amongst them. Here's the big idea. In the same way that there was nothing special about the Hebrew people, what is it that Abram had that you don't have right here in this room Tonight, you are not exempt. Ultimately, it just takes you saying yes to God. I believe, God, that I belong to you. And I'll bend my life around the reality of knowing that I belong to you. We are in covenant 
together. So on my bad days, God, I know that you love me. On my good days, I know that you don't love me anymore, but you still love me. And on my worst days, God, you just, you still love me. It doesn't change this. It's constant. You're there for me. He's there for you. He's a God of covenant. You belong to him. You belong to him. You belong to him. So God gives Abram, Abram, this supernatural promise. The only way it would happen is if God moved miraculously. See, Abraham was to father, or wanted to be a father, but his wife was beyond the age of bearing children. God made good on his promise to Sarah, Abram's wife. She became pregnant. God's plan was in full effect. The nation was born. Again, what does this say? What am I saying tonight? Why are we talking about Abraham? Why are we talking about the flood? Why are we talking about Adam and even the creation account? Because you have to know who this God is, what he is like. We cannot belong to him, or you won't want to truly belong to him until you fully understand or have some level of saying, you know what? God is constant. God is faithful. God does the miraculous. I want to belong to him. God makes promises. God keeps his promises. I want to belong to that God. God is kind. God is loving. God is all wise. God is good 100% of the time. Oh, I'm in covenant. Oh, that's the God I'm in covenant with? Oh, like that's, who, that's who's been pursuing me my whole life? Oh, yeah, that's him. You can call him Yahweh. You can call him El Shaddai. You can call him Jehovah. You can just call him Father, Abba, Father. But this is our God tonight who says, I want you to belong to my family, no matter what your family looks like. Some of you have some jacked up families. Some of us have some jacked up families. So even whenever we say family, it's like, ooh, yeah. like, can, we, can we just, can we say something else? But, but, but he, I mean, honestly, we can, we can smile, but I'm, I'm just, okay. So, but, but here's the deal. He's not like that. His family, this family that he's inviting you into, Starts with belonging to him. Next week we're going to be talking about the family of God and how and what all that means. But it starts with knowing God and wanting to belong to God and living from a perspective of saying he is my everything. You see, because I belong to him, I know that he will provide for me because he loves me financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Whatever it is that I need, my father will take care of me. It is his delight in doing so. In the same way, I will serve him because I belong to him, but he also belongs to me. Amen? Amen. So again, we can say we believe in this God and he's so kind and he's so awesome, but belief is not authentic until your actions are aligned. Doesn't matter how many times you come down here and pray. Doesn't matter how many times we pray for you. Belief is not authentic until your actions are aligned. One preacher put it this way, your change ain't changed until you didn't change somebody else. Did you get that? Until my actions are aligned, until I start living, something begins to come alive in my heart because I realize that, hey, we belong together. So I'll bend my day around you, Jesus, and I'll begin to allow you to be the change in my life. And I'll begin to share your love with all of those around me because I realize that just as bad as you want me to belong to you, God, you want my whole school to belong to you. Or you want my whole house 
to belong to you. Yet you want my whole football team to belong to you? I will do my part. Jesus, I will partner with you and let's do great things because I am in covenant with him. You see, covenant will give you a new paradigm. You'll begin doing things out of the joy and the love of God, not because it's a requirement or somebody told you that you have to. It will become your supreme joy and honor because you understand now that I am in covenant with Yahweh. He's mine. He's never leaving me, and I'll never leave him. Amen? Gosh, if just 10, 20 of you would get this, I'm telling you, we could have an effect on this city like you've never seen before. According to Scripture, closing with this, according to Scripture, Abraham is our model of faith and belief. The blessings of Abraham are ours through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, throughout the Bible, God is obsessed, obsessed with convincing mankind that he is true, he is constant, he is unchanging, he is forever loving, and he is forever faithful. And if you look, again, whenever you're reading, you've got to read the Bible, you get this is how you know God. Whenever you look at his dealings with Israel and all of their mistakes and all of the times they ran away from him, some of your lives look just like Israel in the Old Testament. And I've been right there where we have turned away from him, where we have rejected him. If you'll look at some of the dialogues that he has with Israel through his prophets, through the seers, through his spokespersons in the Old Testament. And he says, gosh, why are you playing the harlot? Why are you running away from me? Why, 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 are you, why are you running away? It's okay. I will continue to chase you down. I will pursue you because I will show you what love is. I will show you what love is. So he's bent on this from Genesis all the way to Malachi and then in Matthew all the way to Revelation where he says, okay, you're still not getting it? Well, let me give you a physical demonstration of my love. Stretched out on a cross with nail-pierced hands and foot and pierced piercings in his ankles and a crown of thorns on his head. And he says, if you're still not getting it, I don't know what else to do, but just keep bringing you back to the cross, to where you would look at Jesus and you would see him standing there. You would see him hanging there. And he would say, this is love. I make good on my covenant. I make good on my promises. No matter what the world has said about me, no matter what your friends have said about me, no matter what your own ideologies have conjured up in your own little wisdom about me, I'm the only one authorized to tell you who I am. This is who I am. I am love. I am love. I am constant. And in me, there is no shadow of turning at all. First John says, he is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. He is good. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. It comes down from the father of lights. This is who God is. And this is what God says. You belong to me. You belong to me. And I just believe that if I speak it over you long enough, some point in your life, hopefully right here in your teenage years, that you'll begin to believe and you'll begin to act out of the revelation. I belong to him. I'm not my own. I refuse to do my own thing in life. I'll screw it up every time. You'll jack it up every time. You're not that smart. I don't care what your, what your test scores are. You ain't that smart. But whenever you begin to live in the reality that, you know what? 
I belong to Him. I belong to Him. And for some of you, living in a contract mentality, it's time for you to come to a place, bending your knee to this reality that I belong to God. You see, it means nothing if you don't believe it. It doesn't have a whole lot of power in your life until you actually receive it. Oh, I belong to Him. You belong to Him. Oh, it's covenant. It's what covenant feels like. So tonight, before we close, as the worship team begins to come, I wanted to show you guys. I'm a song guy. I love music. Junior high knows this. I have a song just about every message. You guys know me. But as I was just kind of looking around, even today, I was like, man, what? Gosh, I, I just came across this, across this clip. So you guys will cue that up. I just wanted you to have kind of a visualization some, some lyrics a little bit too. But this is what your father is speaking over you. You are mine. You belong to me. You guys can show that. Come back to the light, to the love you will find it. 
17, John 17, 9. My prayer is not for the world. This is known as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Before I read, I just want to read several promises from Jesus as we close tonight. Here's what I want us to do. If you're talking to your neighbor, I want you to stop in the name of Jesus. I'll say to you, it's no big deal. I've done this long enough to know that it's in these moments when God wants to speak and you become a tool of Satan because you think you're so cute and you got to get your little joke in. But I want you to wait until after the service to do that because we want to honor him because he means the world to us. And the students are part of this ministry to every person on desperation staff. You mean the world to us. And it's so important that you would know and it's in these moments whenever revelation is hitting your spirit and light bulbs are going off all over this building. There's a realization because there's revelation. I belong to him, or at least I should belong to him. I want to belong to him. John 17, we know this, or we call this the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He says, my prayer is not for the world but for those you have given me because they belong to you. John 17, 16, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Romans 1, 6, and you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. It's for you today. Romans 8 and 1, so now there is therefore no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Oh, this changes everything. So when the whispering lies of the enemy come in your head, you have the word of God to say, no, 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 no. Devil, Romans 8, Romans 1, 8 1 says, there is no condemnation because I belong to Christ Jesus. So this condemnation has to go and this depression has to break because I belong to God. Do you understand this? Oh gosh, we've got to move into a place where we take God at his word. Like Abram saying, yes, God. I don't feel it. I don't want to understand it all, but I'll say yes to God. Because your word says I belong to you, God. Romans 8 and 2, it gets better. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You don't have to stay in the chains of sin and bondage tonight. Not when you know that you belong to God. Why? Because Romans 8 and 2 says, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you 
from the power of sin that leads to death. I want you to stand to your feet tonight as we get ready to close. I want to read one more promise to you and then I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the God of the ages. 1 Corinthians 3.23 And you belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to God. Another one of my favorite verses that I've come across, it is in Romans, says that you have been accepted into the fellowship of the beloved. You've been accepted as the beloved of God. That means the same covenant that Jesus walks in with his father. That's the level of closeness. That's the kind of family tie that God wants to have with you say so many times blood is thicker than water the blood of Jesus is thicker than any blood that you've ever seen his blood is more powerful every head bow every eye closed tonight two things we want to ask tonight two things I want to challenge you on tonight before you leave this place the first thing if you say, gosh, I want to belong to that God. I didn't clearly understand it. It's never been really, I haven't been paying attention. So he hasn't been articulated that way. I thought I had to be perfect. I thought I had to get everything right. And now that I know that I don't, I need to bend my knee to Jesus. And I want to come under this thing of, wow, the life-giving spirit in me. I want to, I want to give up my sin lifestyle. I want to lay it all down. I, I need Jesus. I want to belong to Jesus and I want him to belong to me. That's the first thing. Second thing is, you've been serving God, but it's been a contractual agreement instead of a covenant relationship. That's the second. Holy Spirit, as you have spoken your word of freedom, of truth, of power, of love tonight, I ask you to do your work that only you can do and man can never do. But Holy Spirit, as you're anointing, the power of God fills this place. I pray that you would check every heart. I pray that you go up and down the aisle, every aisle in this room, every student, every adult, every volunteer, every child. And let us examine our hearts before you, God. Would you speak to us? you change us in Jesus name every head bow every eye closed if you say to the first thing gosh I need to I need to bend my knee to Jesus I want you to lift up both of your hands I need to bend my knee to Jesus I need to give up sin lifestyle I, because I, I, I want to belong to him I don't I don't belong to him but I certainly want to would you lift up both of your hands really really high your hands up, eyes closed, head bow. If you say, gosh, I am a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, but it's a contract, it's not a covenant, Pastor Brandon. Honestly, I want you to lift up your hands, both hands. And very quickly here tonight, because we want to dismiss, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to meet you right where you are quick as Corey begins to sing and worship here. You say yes to either one of those. I want you to make your way down to this altar tonight. 
In doing so, you're saying, you know what? I'm stepping out because I want to know that I belong to him. So once again, if you raise your hands for either either one of those, I want you to come down. I want to pray with you tonight. I want our staff to pray with you. So just move really, really quickly because we have about five or so minutes left. If your hands are raised, just move really quick. We're going to lead you through a prayer and then I want to pray with you tonight. We worship you, Jesus. We want to belong. We want to belong to you, God. Holy Spirit, come and do your work tonight. If you're responding to the first call again, just raise your hand. I want to lead you through a prayer of repentance to where whenever you leave this place, you can know that you belong to him and he belongs to you. If you're responding to that first altar call tonight, just lift up both your hands and just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for your word tonight. I repent of my sins and I want to belong to you. I thank you for forgiving me. Even now, I know that I am yours and you are mine. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me yours in Jesus' name. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.